Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. This is Revelation chapter 2. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. What a beautiful list. And that your latter works exceed the first. But this I have against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And the church and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from the Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. God, our Father, I do not doubt that all of us who walked in to this building this morning have ears. We ask that, Lord, we would indeed let your spirit work in our hearts to hear what you ha- would have to say to us through your word. Pray this in your name. Amen. After uh, college, uh, when I was 22, uh, I worked at an insurance company right out. And uh, in, while I was working at the company, they always had on the radio playing constantly Y100 country music radio. Y100, right? That's their, that's their thing. So it was there that my tolerance for country music was greatly diminished. <laughs> I could only hear the song Redneck Crazy so many times. Park this silver rod on your front lawn. <laughs> But this was a good and necessary tolerance because I had to get my work done. However, I've also experienced other circumstances in my life where uh, tolerance has gone wrong. I had an eighth grade teacher uh, that didn't take care of their toenails, and it began to hurt. So they tolerated the pain for a long time, only to have it eventually grow into their skin and require surgery. 
Now, why this teacher was so open with their toenail life is another thing with their students. But regardless, their tolerance backfired. In St. Louis, there are spiders called brown recluses. You may have heard of them. Lots of them. Rondele and I, my wife, uh, would kill one, at least one a week in our house. Very common. But they have a poisonous bite where if you do nothing about it and simply tolerate the bite, it, necrosis will set in, which is a fancy way of saying that the skin around the bite will turn black, die, rot, and then begin to fall off. It's really gross. Um, but you don't tolerate these kind of things. But you get it, right? When you have a headache or a backache, more importantly, a backache that's maybe more serious, we sometimes try to tolerate it instead of going to a doctor. Like the fire at Tyra Church in today's text, we can easily tolerate the wrong things, particularly sin. And our text today will point out, now these main points are poorly worded, but they're, they're true to the text, that we must repent because God condemns sinful tolerance and God gives authority for justice. God condemns sinful tolerance and he gives authority for justice. First, God condemns sinful tolerance. Let's start in verse 19. This verse really acts as an affirmation of the good in the church. We see that we, for those who have been going with us through the book of Revelation, we, you know this pattern. God says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. And this is worth spending a brief moment on in our text. So often... We focus, as, as the church, we focus intently on the bad things that God sees in us to make the gospel good and light and beautiful and say we really need God and we must do this. This is necessary and true. But recognize here that God is not blind to the fruit in this church's life. We even see here, he mentioned their growth in faith. Your latter works exceed the first. We call this sanctification. How good to hear that God recognizes that Christians do change. They do grow. And that God is proud of such things. That's good to hear, yes? However, we then read in verse 20, I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Now, at first glance, if, if you really think about it, this sounds a little crazy and a little outlandish even. Jesus is speaking about a particular woman in this church in Thyatira who set herself up as a prophetess. And somehow, she managed to convince an entire church that it was a religious good to engage in sexual immorality and to engage in aspects of idol worship. So bad were these acts that she is compared to Jezebel, who was a woman in the Old Testament who led Israel into one of its most corrupt and evil times. How could she ever convince an entire church that this was good? But at a second glance, we start to learn some things. The benefits of these sins were pretty big. Thyatira was a flourishing city with many economic trades, trade guilds, they had a metallurgy guild. They had a pottery guild, a cloth guild, and on and on and on. And all of these guilds had their own deities and their own gods uh, and that they paid homage to. And it was a guild practice 
that everyone in the guild was expected to pay homage. So to not engage in these religious sexual practices or food practices was economic and financial suicide. It could bring them ruin. So the primary motivate to tolerate the prophetess in these teachings and to find a, a good justification, the culture said it was important. It's cultural and financial. And if you can justify these actions in the church, it's so beneficial. Secondly, let's be honest. While absolutely ruinous by nature, sexual immorality brings a short-term pleasure that is easy to justify with false truths. And food tastes good. The church tolerates the false prophetess. But we see the consequences. God mercifully condemns this tolerance. I say merciful for a number of reasons. First, because we even see God provide opportunity to repent. Many times in this passages, both to her and to her followers in verse 21 and 22. I gave her time to repent. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. A loving parent tells a child what the consequences will be for disobedience. And God does so here. Second, this is merciful because it maintains the purity and the peace of the church. We all have heard stories or know firsthand of the destruction that sexual immorality can bring to a family and to a church. God is a merciful God, but he is also just. And he does condemn this sinful tolerance and he gives warning of death to her and her followers who are referenced as children in verse 23. God condemns sinful tolerance. A fairly public example of sinful tolerance, and you, many of you may remember this, was the scandal of the assistant coach at Penn State in 2011. It's, it's surprising it was already 10 years ago. But this assistant coach, over the course of 15 years, had 45 accounts of child molestation. The accounts are gut-wrenching and tragic. And this level of corruption was only made possible by the many who knew of these crimes and tolerated them and hid them. What could ever motivate a president, a vice president, an athletic director of, a, of an institution to tolerate such wrongdoings? In, in, in an institution that was designed to do the opposite, to bring safely, educate, nurture, develop children and youth. It brought cultural approval on financial gain to maintain the status of the team. <coughs> Similar to Penn State a decade ago, Thyatira had something to gain. They tolerated evil and false teaching within the church. This isn't even... This isn't even a, 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 yeah, it's within the church. The corruption of Penn State in 2011 and Thyatira in year 111 can seem distant in our lives right now. But verse 29 in our passage warns us otherwise. He who has an ear, let him hear. Jacob's well. Please know that God sees your works in a good way. Yes, your love your faith, 
your service, your patient endurance, how we want these things. And God sees the way we grow in these things and he recognizes this good. Thank you, Lord. But do not ignore the call to investigate your heart and ask what corruption do you allow in the church because it brings you benefit. If you perceive such a thing as present, first heed the call of the passage and repent. And if it is at Jacob's well specifically, please come talk to myself or to an elder. However, this passage is also a call of, to repent of sinful tolerance from, we, from which we benefit in other areas of our lives as well, not just in this church context. And there are two camps here. The first camp, many of you have developed much too high a tolerance for sin. You justify it under the guise of forbearing with their sin when what has really happened is you have become terrified of offending another person. Man has become God. And I get it. This is me. I'm on this side of the camp. Culture has turned defending a person as one of the greatest evils possible. And it can be one of the most necessary loves, though, to root out sin in our lives and the lives of others. Others of you are on the other side of this spectrum, though, where you must learn to address sin much, much more gently and kindly. Spouses who are in a difficult season of marriage, you are likely called to root out sin with incredible care and caution, genuinely wanting the good of the other person. And, and some of you may be in a season where it would be destructive to do so right now. <clears throat> In general, parents, there are many times when tolerating wrongdoing with your kids is easier than addressing it. We're getting at a stage with Shiloh, my daughter, where it's, it's where, when she throws stuff on the floor, is she old enough to know that if we punish her, she knows that it's for that very thing, right? So I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes I would rather clean Shiloh's food off the floor after she throws it on the ground than discipline her and see her tears. I tolerate her sin. Do not let sin overtake your loved ones unaddressed. However, finally, you maybe tolerate sin as an influence in your own life. A podcast that only agrees with your views rather than challenges them and strengthens and develops and grows them. A news channel that you hold to a higher truth than scripture. A person that you've always looked up to and never thought to ask if they're for their own agenda or God's agenda. Here's a scary question. Are you the one leading people into sinful practices? If you are a non-believer here today and you're hearing this, let me acknowledge with sadness and ask for forgiveness for the sinful tolerance that has been in the church that may have wounded you in your life. We too are sinners but we are being made new as we cling to the perfection that is found in Christ. Christians, this does not mean that we go into coffee shops and tell strangers that we tolerate their sin no longer. <laughs> Please don't do that. That was me in high school. I would stand up in front of my English class and in sophomore year of high school and say, why they're all a sinner? And it didn't end well. <laughs> it was a public school of 1,400 kids. It was just not good. Please know that this passage is addressing tolerating sin in fellow Christians. 
As Christians, we are to repent of our sinful tolerance, turn from it, and turn to God for his grace and forgiveness that he offers to us. So not only does God condemn sinful tolerance, but God gives authority for justice. So God gives authority for justice sounds like an odd second main point, uh, but it will make sense in a bit. Stick with me. Firstly, the authority of Jesus is actually all over this passage. Verse 18 speaks of authoritative language. It speaks of eyes that see all things. Light, fire dispels the darkness. And powerful feet full of splendor. It is he who has the authority to punish, as we see in verse 22 and 23. He receives authority from the Father in verse 27. He will give authority to his church in verse 26. Secondly, this text at first glance is is actually maybe overwhelming and even maybe frightening to some of you. In verse 24 through 25, Jesus recognizes that there are some in Thyatira who hold fast and are not being influenced by the false prophetess. That's good. But then, to the one who conquers, which in previous sermons we've, we've, we've analyzed and discussed that uh, the one who conquers are Christians, Jesus says that he will give the, them authority over the nations. Whoa. And what else? You, Christian, Verse 27, will rule with a rod of iron. And you will shatter earthen pots. You will receive the morning star, which is another way of saying the authority of Jesus will be yours. Authority over nations. Ruling with a rod of iron and shattering vessels. Goodness, I'm not sure if I want that kind of responsibility or authority. Do you? Well, you and I honestly are right to not desire it unless we reassess how we understand and have experienced authority and power. See, we're afraid of this kind of authority uh, for a number of reasons, but one of the primary reasons would be typically because we've seen power that bears a rod of iron as abusive and tyrannical. Author Andy Crouch writes in his book, Playing God, and says the following, Violence is the last refuge of frustrated God players and idols gone bad, lashing out at those who will not bend to their demands or give in to their quest for control. Corrupted authority will be selfish. An example of absolute perversion of corruption and authority is slavery. Slavery is a form of authority that removes all agency from an individual, strips them of their image-bearing self as an image-bearer of God, and removes their identity. But then we can look to the example of the most authoritative person who walked this earth, God's son Jesus, right? Never did he cease being God, but in all of his authoritative godness, he showed to us what righteous authority and power does. True power or authority in creation and the truest power is resurrection. It is new creation that can restore flourishing even when violence has done its worst. It restores flourishing even when violence has done its worst. And this is the kind of authority and power Jesus gives to Christians in the end times. It is image-bearing. 
It is authority that reflects the cross. It yearns to see his creation restored and flourish even after violence has done its worst. The language here in this passage does mean to exercise discipline and give out judgment, but when Christians do so, they do so as an image bearer of Christ, not carrying a personal vendetta to guard and to protect the victims, the helpless, the needy, to uphold righteousness and justice. This may still seem outlandish to you that Jesus promises uh, to Christian church all this kind of authority, but consider the kind of authority a parent has over a baby. It is tremendous authority and power if you think through it. The infant is entirely helpless. I can't speak for all parents, but for me, there's something fierce and deep that calls upon me to use my authority for my daughter for her flourishing survival and thriving. No child would make it to five years of age without an immense amount of attention, love, and provision. I'm guessing the same is true for you if you've ever been a parent. There is that saying um, that power tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. Well, being a loving parent kind of flips this on its head. I mentioned earlier Andy Crouch in his book, he writes this also. The more power we have over our children, the more we are willing to sacrifice for them. Absolute love transfigures absolute power. Christian, in the new heavens and the new earth, God tells us he will give his church absolute love. Just as a parent has authority over a child, similarly, Jesus will one day grant his authority to his church. Authority to bring justice, mercy, and uphold righteousness. It feels like an odd application for me to tell you, get ready. God's going to heap a load of authority on your shoulders, y'all. But it's true. Get ready. God is going to heap a load of authority on your shoulders. It's as true as the authority that Jesus still had when he hung on the cross, bringing salvation to you and to me. Anticipate the authority you will one day wield. Give thanks that not only will you see justice come to those who are victims, not only will you see mercy upheld and righteousness done, but you will be a means of it to those who may not trust in Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord, hear the call to come to Christ who holds all authority to do with it as he pleases. Desire to join the church and hold fast amidst the temptation to tolerate sinful and submit to Jesus as your Savior and Lord and join in the inheritance of authority. Christians, until that end comes, hold fast as the passage tells us. Prepare for Christ's coming now by using the authority God has given you in this world to enable others flourishing and to keep them from oppression. Parents, you have a hard application today, really, if you think about it. On one hand, you, you shouldn't tolerate sinfulness in their kids, but on the other hand, you shouldn't use your authority to be overbearing, right? Kids, when your parents give you responsibility or authority, use it well. 
When maybe they ask you to watch over your brother or sister, watch over them for their sake, not for your own. I could list so many applications here. But to all in any kind of authority, use it for justice, safety, and righteousness. For a college student, it could be as simple as having the authority over your dorm room, as I mentioned earlier, and making it a comfortable and safe space for friends who are going through a hard time. Or a space to host a study. God has given us all a measure of some authority. Let's start practicing for what we're going to be given. The closing verse of this is my father's world is fitting. I'll read it now. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let earth be glad. Church, let it be said that God is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. But let it be said through us as his image bearers, the same, both in the end times and the time to come, that his image bearers are using their authority for their good. Let the earth be glad. What a beautiful desire and a prayer. A beautiful thing to see and witness in our life. Let us heed this passage to not tolerate sinful practices and to anticipate one day using our God-given authority to bring justice, to protect those who are victims of sinful practices that we should not tolerate. Let's pray. God, our Father, this is a hard call. One that we are so thankful that we can press in to you for help to do. Thankful, Lord, that for the times we have failed up to this point, your cross has covered those wrongs with grace and with forgiveness. Lord, being renewed, being united with you and having a new identity, may we anticipate the end times, not tolerating sinfulness, using our authority as you would have us, and preparing for what is to come. I pray this in your name. Amen.